You are tuned in to RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania, heard every Wednesday at 11 a.m. right here on WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. All right, welcome to this week's edition of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. Mania, 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 mania. Yes. And this week we have a special guest. We are minus one, so it's me, Francesca, and... Melissa, and Jesse is up in the D.C. area being leadershipy once again. Yep, yep, yep. So uh, we will miss her, but hopefully we will do her justice. Yep, hold it down the fort. Yep. Hold it down the fort. So this week... Uh, Richmond, we're going to talk about something very, very interesting. A little bit different for us uh, topic-wise, but it does correlate with, yeah. you know, city council. Not exactly. A little not, bit. It's not exactly topic off. It's it's pretty on, but this is data, like it's, strong data. <laughs> Lots of data. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll uh, we'll let our guest introduce himself. Yes, please do. Hello. Hey, I'm, I'm Brett Clausen. I am just finishing up my fourth year of medical school here at VCU, and they invited me on to take a look at my senior project in a little bit more depth here. Yes. Ah, so what's your senior project, Brett? Okay. Um, <laughs> so essentially, I was a part of a underserved medicine track at VCU, and we needed to do a, a capstone uh, as part of completing that. And what I wanted to do was kind of take a look at uh, the health disparities in Richmond. I know we all kind of know that they exist, but we haven't really had data, and especially not at the city council tract or district level in order right. to, to really see exactly how that looks. Mm -hmm. um, and where it's at. And Yeah, and what the drivers potentially are. Okay. Um, so there's this really cool project from the CDC called the 500 Cities Project. And what they did was release data on the 500 largest U.S. cities. And they release all these data on health metrics. So there's 27 health metrics, and it goes from like life expectancy to smoking and obesity. And then it also touches on um, use of preventive services. Mm -hmm. So, you know, are women in the area getting pap smears and mammograms? Are the people in the different areas getting uh, visits with their doctor and dentist every year? And then health outcomes. So, you know, hypertension, you know, diabetes, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. high cholesterol and such. So they release it, though, in census tracts. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that very, very kind of boring box that yeah. all of us are fit into in the U.S. None of us know what census tract we're in. It doesn't really mean much to many of us. Right. It's just kind of a cold boundary. It doesn't have any political representation in and of itself. I think I'm like part of like census tract one. 401 and it mean, completely meaningless to me. Right. So what I wanted to do was make the data kind of organized into a way that was more intuitive and more interesting for people, hopefully more actionable. Okay. So I wanted to take those small blocks, those census tracts, and organize them into our city council districts in Richmond. Mind blown. Pew! Yeah. <laughs> and there are some really awesome um, visuals here. So if you would like to follow along with those, we are going to post the PDFs. And that way, um, as you're listening to this yep, episode, you can, you can pull them up look. and look at it um, and get the full effect because it really is astounding. Astounding. <laughs> yeah, that's the right word for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's troubling, to be honest. It's the whole reason that I want to be in medicine is to help kind of 
level the field. This city is really so much the tale of two cities. Mm -hmm. We talk about it a lot. We see it profoundly in these data and when you organize them by city council district. Hopefully for the first time, it it lets people who would never, ever find the CDC's 500 cities project. Hopefully gets them to see this data for the first time so that they can have feelings about it because it's it's atrocious. Yes. Uh, some of the uh, health disparity between the better, you know, healthier districts yep. versus the districts that are not doing as well in health, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, very sad. And we need to start to collaborate with community and figure out what we can do to, to make this better. We've talked about disparities in medicine on our show a couple times before. We actually just had a uh, viewing again of um, When the Well Runs Dry with uh, Dr. Sean Utsi talking about the use of illegal use. At one point, it wasn't illegal, but the illegal use of black bodies in medicine enrichment. And so that's something that's definitely tied to stuff we've been talking about, but also a lot of people in Richmond don't know and understand just how health practice and preventative measures are just not available to everyone. Or if you have a deep-seated fear of going to the doctor because of things like body snatching. That affects the way that you receive care. And you pass it down generation to generation. The way that you receive information and advice. I mean, you might be very skeptical about things that, you know, yep. are telling you will be healthy for you and yep. such. So, yep. absolutely. Because I'm afraid you're going to steal my kidneys. Uh, that's that's so sad. <laughs> it's so sad, but it's, it's so, so true. true in this town. And, you know, um, the socioeconomic implications um, <laughs> that you go through here are just mm-hmm. mind-boggling. So, I guess we'll Certainly. just dive right in. So let's talk before before you get too deep into before we dive into the data, let's talk about your mythology first. Like how we talked about how you use the CDC's 500 cities project to do that. But take us into not too deep, but take us into how you decided to organize this data, you know, why it was important to do it this way, some of the methods that you use to kind of get us to this place where we are in your study. Yeah, so uh, some of my interests outside of medicine um, include things like pedestrian infrastructure and even Mm -hmm. like city planning and stuff like that. I really do feel like there's so much that healthcare providers can do kind of outside of the clinic, outside of the walls where people actually live, the type of environment that's going to affect their health. And and, um, I think we should try to have an influence, you know, outside of that. My whole thing has been to try to support efforts by, you know, like Bike Walk RVA, like Mm -hmm. they do great work. They're trying to get more bike lanes, more sidewalks. We want people to feel safe, you know, commuting to work and to errands, you know, in other ways besides their cars. Um, So I have a, a lot of interest in just trying to work towards having you know a healthier environment that people live in and that you know by proxy will definitely lead to you know health outcomes improving so you know i'm actually from arizona um originally and when i came to richmond it was uh first of all i would say i I love richmond so much it's Mm -hmm. it's just a really appealing place for my wife and i We, we love being here one of the things that really stuck out to me though was the fact that richmond felt like it was like 20 years behind the rest of the country as far Mm. as uh, smoking and tobacco mm-hmm. regulations, cigarette taxes, the whole deal. Like, Thanks, I, Altria. I know, for real, yeah. Um, so you know, when I got here and I saw people still smoking at bars, people smoking right on the, you know, the outdoor yep. uh, you know, decks mm-hmm. at restaurants and stuff, like, that's crazy. That's yeah. not allowed in the vast majority of the country. And then you know, one thing that's kind of a bombshell that almost nobody realizes, this is to me the biggest 
elephant in the room with Richmond's Health is that it's actually the second cheapest place in the entire U.S. to buy cigarettes. It's mm-hmm. the cheapest place east of the Mississippi River Again, to buy cigarettes. Thank Thanks you, Altria. Yeah. That that culture of smoking is here. Well, and also, yeah, seemingly the either fear of, of Virginia at a state level to, to do much in the way of moving the bar and increasing, you know, cigarette taxes. So far, uh, you know, the state assesses 30 cents per pack. And Richmond is the only city of any real significant population that does not mm-hmm. assess a cigarette tax um, mm-hmm. on top of the state one. Counties are not allowed at all. Uh, so you have to be an independent city in Virginia in order to assess a cigarette tax. Richmond chooses not to so far, although... We got know, some proposals. Yeah, yeah, it's currently in, in the budget. And Are you listening, we'll City Council? Yes, please, please, please yeah. listen. Right. Because really, the the corporate machine of Altria keeps people down here. Yeah, absolutely. They're um, not going to pull out of Richmond if we I, tax the cigarettes, y'all. They're not. They're. I mean, they're uh, obviously a publicly traded company. They're not going to take on expenses to leave mm-hmm. Richmond. Exactly. And I don't even mean for the cigarette tax to call them out specifically. It's just good, you know, public health policy, and it keeps our kids you know, from smoking at the rate that they do. So when we look at Chicago, which has the highest cigarette taxes in the nation, so they assess over $6 per pack in taxes in Chicago. Yikes. Their latest. How much do the pack of cigarettes cost? I think like 10 bucks. Woo! Yeah. So their kids, adolescents, you know, youth in Chicago smoke at about 6%. That's that's what the uh, Chicago papers have published um, from the Richmond wow. City Health Department. Our number is over 20, Yeah, it blows, it blows my mind walking down the street um, seeing people, you know, mm-hmm. 18 years old smoking cigarettes. Right. I'm like, really? You're still doing that? Yeah. You're you're actually picking it up? I can't believe you're actually picking it up. And it's because mm-hmm. because of Richmond. I've yeah. seen young, I've seen tobacco use. 18 and 19 year olds uh, doing dip, which is, to, that, that is unbelievable to me. Yeah. You, do you want a hole in your cheek? Still doing dip. Yeah, so crazy. Anyway. <sighs> so it's, you know, the two biggest risk factors for, for youth picking up smoking is poverty. Right. Richmond's got a 39% child poverty rate. Yep. And the Concentration other one is, of poverty. The other one is cheap, cheap cigarettes. We got the, you know, among the cheapest in the nation. So, you know, in my opinion, not having the cigarette tax, we're letting our kids down. And the adults that we see smoking today, they were the kids picking it up, you know, last generation. So that was something that I've been trying to be involved with. And there's a big group of people, a kind of coalition of people that are trying to get the cigarette tax passed. A lot of really good uh, advocates working on that. And even the uh, advocates for the schools have, have joined in because a lot of the cigarette tax revenue has been proposed to help schools and city. And that's obviously kind of the other big elephant in the room in Richmond is mm-hmm. getting our school situation together. Mm. Which mm-hmm. also affects health outcomes. Mm-hmm. Certainly does. <laughs> wow. Look at how that's all connected there. Yes. I'm telling you. So let's start digging into some of this data. Let's um Oh my gosh. Yeah, if we you know, if we can just kind of follow right along with your document, you know, it's oh my gosh. You I'm just warning you guys, your your minds are just gonna be blown the entire time as we go through this. But they they better be <laughs> I'm God. telling you, if you come out of this episode and you're like, eh, whatever, I don't know. I don't want to know you. <laughs> uh, so I hope I hope you guys all have something to say to your city council representative. Yeah. You know, uh, about like where I you said, fall on these yeah, graphs, where you fall on these graphs. Because I'm crying. Yeah, I'm crying about yeah. this first one. <laughs> we need to be we need to be asking, you know, and, and collaborating with the city council representatives about, you know, why certain districts have, you know, almost two and a half times as much smoking or twice as much obesity as some others. Yep. And we need to be figuring out with the community how we can, you know, how we can improve those things. Fix so. that. 
Absolutely. So diving in to the to the first thing, um, I have a, a life expectancy map done by city council districts, yep. and uh, to me, it's it's just appalling. It's so sad. And it, I guess well, on the it's flip not side, surprising it's, though. On the, it's not surprising. No, we weren't shocked, but I mean, some people uh, some people might be. Yeah. Because but... if they live in certain districts, they don't really have an idea of what it's like in those other in districts other place, that, yeah. that don't have as much money, that don't have as much al- um, access to uh, fresh food and health care and transportation, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Right. So the three, t- the, the three highest uh, districts for life expectancy were District 1 with 82.24 years, District 2 at 80.5, and the fourth district with 78.67. The lowest districts were District 8 with 73.98 years, so 74 almost. Uh, District 7 with 70.75 years. And District 6, sorry, Melissa, with 69.2 years. This is the sad, this is the saddest thing it's, to it's me. It's so sad. Because these born. are my neighbors. And if you're and if you're born in the 6th District, you, right now you can expect to live 13 less years than if you're born in the yep. in the West End, in the 1st District, in Addison's district mm-hmm. uh, that's and that's that's so unacceptable we've got to do something we need to figure this out quick quick so the average life expectancy for the city wide citywide is 75 in a third years that's uh below the national average which is uh 78.6 so we're not even keeping pace with the nation right now that's wild yep but not surprising because well i mean life expectancy is directly correlated with social economic class and access and ability to afford health care and preventative measures and Boom. um and these districts you know um excluding the ninth on here um are the last three are the the poorest districts mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um and uh, for those of you that don't have the map in front of you and aren't super familiar with the way that the districts are laid out it's it's a huge pattern of huh? the West End districts. So West End and the one the second district is is like the fan, mm-hmm. um, and a little north like Scotts Edition. And then the fourth district is like Westover Hills and the west side south of the river. Well, that's the affluent south side. Yeah, the yeah. affluent south affluent side. Affluent south side. And then you have you know the south side. Right, and the south side is the you know, the eighth district. That's one of the bottom three, and then you have the sixth, which is you know East End. And the yep. furthest east end, the seventh district. One thing about the southern districts, especially the eighth district, is it's heavily industrial. Yep. Yes, um, absolutely. Which I would think would be a huge factor, right? Um, it, it looks a lot different from the rest of the districts. Mm-hmm. It really does. Now, in the sixth district, uh, towards the southern end of it, does have also a lot of um, industrial things going on in that area. So I would assume that that would affect, you know, air quality, sure, access to shopping, to food. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Also, you know, walkability. I mean, are you going to go out for leisure and, you know, walk your dog in that area? You know, there's there's just less sidewalks down there every time I'm right, down south side. Pits. Yeah, I see. I see like it's heartbreaking. You'll see women crossing into traffic with a stroller because yep. there's no crosswalks. There's no sidewalks. Crossing uh, Richmond Turnpike. How is that? How is that OK? How is that? been the case so far. Well, right. And uh, mm-hmm. all throughout there, like, you know, the Jeff Davis corridor is mm-hmm. uh, big trucks 
blazing through. Yeah. Um, you know, and like you said, you've got mothers crossing the street with their babies and no crosswalks. Um, and if there's a sidewalk, if there's a sidewalk, yeah, there's no sidewalk either. Probably just a kind of burn hole in the grass from people walking. Right. Or if know, if there's time. a bus stop there, there's no shelter. Mm-hmm. Right. No, you know, um, no bench. These affect you. Too. I mean, every little. <laughs> Every little thing affects your health, right? I mean, everything. And it's not just your physical health, it's your mental health, too. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And we get into that, actually. The CDC does have measures on kind of subjective health as well. So this is what I would consider objective health measures. They also asked people if they felt physically unhealthy at least two weeks out of the last month and if they Mm. felt that their mental health was poor at least two weeks out of the last month. And the results are are almost exactly the same. Wow. spatially represented across the districts. Yeah, and I did, I found it really interesting going through all of this, not to necessarily use the word stereotypical, but our characterization of these districts mm-hmm. eerily matches up with the health outcomes. And that's why this is a cool opportunity is it's the first time that we can actually present this data and factually say. And see it on paper. A, yep. Here it is. Oh this God, this isn't just a uh, This isn't just what we suspect theory. and we know is true. It's, yeah. you know, this is objectively is. we can show that you know, yep. these, these districts are struggling uh, with different mm. health measures, and, and there are reasons for it that we need to start addressing. Yep, and looking at. So let's start going into some of these health outcomes that we can see. And you go over quite a bit. We're going to cover all kinds of different types of cancer and heart disease and different types of conditions and all kinds of stuff, asthma. Let's start talking about, you know, some of these graphs. Yes, lead us through your research yeah. here because, yeah, you know, we're obviously not experts on it, but, I mean, our minds are blown and we want to know why. Sure. Um, I think one of the really interesting ones that came out to me, because obviously if you first see life expectancy and it's kind of distributed the way that it was that mm-hmm. we described, you kind of expect some of these other health outcomes to align with that. And right. that's largely what we do see. You know, some of the districts that don't have as long of life expectancy definitely do see more diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood pressure. So we're kind of expecting that that, yeah. that is probably what led to those life expectancy things. But one of the ones that, you know, you look at kind of jumps out is is asthma. So why is asthma following that exact same, you know, uh, mm-hmm. pattern? Because, you know, with some of these things, you can you can argue, arguably say that, you know, we what we can do is, is help people with uh, healthy lifestyle approaches, you know, if, if we can get them to lose weight and such, um, you know, with, with help, um, with nutrition education, with weight loss strategies and such that, yeah. that maybe we can address some of these, um, you know, diabetes and high blood pressure and stuff. You know, those are reversible. We can we can have right. people lose the weight and they can they can shed some of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, asthma is not something that you usually associate with preventative uh, or life, corrective lifestyle choices yeah. or, or what not leading to asthma. It's kind of just, you know, it certainly we know the environment, you know, can can certainly uh, yeah. shape asthma rates, uh, including uh, a lot of uh, literature that's demonstrated that pollution variants mm-hmm. can can show, uh, can lead to differences in asthma rates. And uh, when you look at this with an asthma map, and it does have a lot of similarities with the life expectancy map, but what we see is the sixth district again, uh, you know, having the, the highest rate of asthma. And it's kind of right along that whole like I-95 corridor. We talked about it being a little bit more industrial. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it would not shock me whatsoever if it's uh, you know, more polluted in that area and if that's contributing to levels. Right where I am, we have um, 6495 Blazon right by. And then um, you have Shaco Valley. And in Shaco Valley, it's heavily industrial. Yep. Um, and so the air quality over there is 
Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not perfectly familiar. I know that there's this awesome scientist at the uh, science museum here in Richmond that is has done some uh, sampling across the city and and looked at things like pollution levels mm. and also heat. He's noticed tremendous differences, like the urban heat island effect in certain mm. areas versus others in the city. Mike um, Gilpin. Yep. Yeah. Seriously. Um, yep. he, he shows that you know, look at the look at these areas and how much less tree cover that they have. You know, how yep. much more asphalt that certain areas will have compared to others. Well, because yeah, in the um in our courts, you're not allowed to actually plant things right in the ground. Nope. So yeah, is there ground exposed for you to plant anything in, in the first place? It's all concrete. Yeah. 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 They are heavily concreted. And you, when you don't have plants, you don't have anything to clean the air. Right. That too. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So going through some of the other health outcomes here, kind of like I was mentioning, you sort of expect them to fall in line with the way that we saw life expectancy. Um, so we definitely see that with diabetes rates being higher, you know, in the East End and in the Southeast. To me, this just screams out that we have a big opportunity to, to help educate people. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there's a lot to get down with nutrition and people will get so many misconceptions about things. You Not know, only that, access is a big deal. If you don't have access to healthy food uh, options, absolutely. I mean, what are you supposed to And eat? I'm seeing on your, your charts the high cholesterol, diabetes, obesity. These are all in areas where they don't have access to fresh foods or anyone teaching them about eating better. And, and all you have are little corner markets everywhere. Oh, and those those like bodegas down there are so yes. sad because, mm-hmm. you know, as part of our underserved track, we actually went into some of those you know stores to see where people buy food uh-huh. fried um, so chicken back a, boxes such a such a beautiful point to bring up but in in the uh the areas where people from like hillside court would go to to shop i mean there's a lot of stores that buy stuff from walmart and then resell jack up the price to, yep. to twice as much and then resell it and yep. it's you know it's closer to its expiration date and it's twice as expensive it, it is extremely sad so, or it's a dollar general yeah yeah yep. has family dollar that's frozen it. Yeah. Right. Uh, options. Full of preservatives. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. TV dinners and no, not a banana in sight. And really that, so I would love for someone to kind of take this, these maps the next level because there's, there are additional layers that need to be added onto these yeah. maps. But one thing that I have done is look at the top 10 grocers in Richmond and see where they're distributed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we kind of all know intuitively yeah. what, what if I'm about to over, say. If we overlap this map, what's going to happen? Obviously, again, the grocery stores are on the West End. They're mm-hmm. not on the East End at all. We just have like, you know, just farm fresh over there. I know that the marketplace on 25th is about to open Monday yeah. Um, yeah. if it's not yeah, delayed again. But that's one. But hopefully, you know, if the market on 25th proves to be successful, I mean, I hope we can replicate those efforts in the South and the Other Southeast. Other places, yeah. Because, you know, that's a really cool opportunity. I know VCU Health has an outpost there. Mm-hmm. Uh, J. Sergeant Reynolds is involved. I don't know if Bon Secours is, but Bon Secours has some other health initiative places over uh, right near there. And I know that they kind of oriented the grocery store to be accessible, to have classes and such. Yeah. I'm hoping that that, that will be a, a real good opportunity to um, educate people. I hope and so. And also have... You know, people have access to healthy food. Well, also to educate the people who already have these things so that they're aware right. that there are people in the city that don't. That don't. Mm-hmm. Because there are a lot of people who just walk around, well, why don't they go to the free clinic? 
Right, right. Why? Well, why don't they eat better? Like they could just get on a bus and go to Kroger. And I'm like, do you know what it's like to bring home a week's worth of groceries for bus. three kids on a bus? Yeah, that's impossible. That is impossible. Absolutely. It it's more than just you know educating um, the folks that don't have the access. It's educating us that that do have access, because. I mean, my mind's not blown mention, wide open on there's this. There's not going to be probably very many direct bus lines to grocery stores. You're going to probably go first to downtown to the transfer center and then go to yeah. the grocery store and back. The right. I, mean, I think I think on one of our uh, most recent shows, we actually talked about how one of the buses that routes directly uh, from VCU going into the, the beer districts yeah. um, up into uh, Shaco Slip and Scott's Edition will actually pass the grocery store and not not stop it. at it. It doesn't, it's not, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, not a stop on the pulse. Even the way that the pulse was done was, I was so, so upset not <sighs> to see that Kroger on Broad Street was not a stop yeah, and they no. put a stop next to Whole Foods. It, mm-hmm. That was, that was really course. sad. That was a huge miss. That's a point, but that's, it's pointed. I mean, oh, who's, who's on the pulse? Who are they marketing the pulse to? Yeah, exactly. So sad. I know it. I know it. Uh, you know, I, I agree completely. Uh, I guess the only thing that the pulse hopefully does is is engage a new group to hopefully advocate for other people that actually need to use the bus as a mm. lifeline. I, I don't it know. It would if we'll be see nice. Kind of... I mean, that would be nice. But it, I mean, if you look at where how the pulse runs and who it's tar, I mean, it it's picks up on Broad Street at Willow Lawn. That's the first stop. So nobody wanted to listen to me when they were first doing this because I was like, no, no, you don't need an east-west connector. You need a north-south yeah. pulse right. because yeah. the north and the south will connect yeah. the poorest neighborhoods. I but I mean, but again, but, that's about oh, access. You know, it's, it's about access. What, exactly. Who's spending the money to ride the bus? Who's going to spend that that pulse route to get on the bus? Mm-hmm. to go from those stops there to go down to, you know, who's going all the way to Rockets Landing? Well, I feel like that was actually the almost bigger point was that it's, you know, heads further south and goes to Rockets Landing instead mm-hmm. of going into Church Hill. Yeah. So it just totally avoids yeah, you all of the avoid Fulton. Yep. The who public housing, who needs the stop yep. and mm-hmm. needs that that access and reliability. Oh, it's that's mm-hmm. devastating. When I when I first heard of the pulse, it was the same time we were about to start the bike share. And mm-hmm. I was like, be- this is a beautiful opportunity to solve right. the last mile pro- problem. You know, I'm like, distribute these bike shares so that there's a, you know, a stop at each of the pulse locations and then integrate the pricing so that if you buy a GRTC pass, you get access to the bike too. That would be and, amazing. And it was just, right. I mean, there was, a, there was definitely a few people that were interested in the idea, but then it goes to the person in the city responsible for that and just gets shut down immediately. Yep. They're like, we don't do progressive big things in Richmond. Basically was the, <laughs> we don't do progressive <laughs> things. That that's one of the truest statements. Yeah, we just make plans about them. We you know what? I'm going to get that cities. tattooed on me somewhere. Yeah. I mean, if other cities did it first, if like a hundred other cities did it first, then, then we'll Richmond would be like, all right. Cool and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll lead the way at the yeah. 100th position. But, right, you know, right. But we're not going to be the first to do something cool. We just make Deep lots size. of plans about it. That's it. Study it. Yeah. Sorry. I was like, oh, COPD. Sorry. I, keep, mm-hmm. I yeah. keep zeroing in on certain things like stroke. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so seriously, if you can, while you're listening to this, try to follow along with the PDFs because it really <laughs> make yeah. your eyeballs fall out of your head. I can't stop. Um, and over and over again, I mean, even even looking at things like arthritis, we just see the same pattern, you know. And and it, uh-huh. it's because it all ties in, you know. The, you know, if if you're carrying extra weight, you're gonna have you know mm-hmm. arthritis, you know, as a consequence yep. down the line. And, You've got nice, cool you know, sidewalks and a comfortable, safe neighborhood to walk your dog yeah. when you're 80. 
Absolutely. You're going to walk your dog when you're 80. I mean, there's a, uh, there's another layer. I, I talked about, you know, pedestrian infrastructure being poor on the south side. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's also, you know, concern about being a victim of violent crime if you're in certain neighborhoods. Yep. And, you know, we need to make people feel safe as pedestrians and also safe that mm-hmm. they're not going to be a victim of a crime if they're walking in their neighborhood being active. And that, you know, can you imagine Lighting, not being sidewalks. able to go outside? I mean, that's going to affect your, your mental health, you know, yeah. profoundly as well as your physical health. Of well, course. And also, speaking of, um, you know, affecting your health, your mental health, if you're already in a depressed area, yeah. you're more likely to indulge in things like drinking. Sure. Or, you know, eating, overeating, possibly, or eating the wrong things. Being sedentary. Well, yeah, and being sedentary because you're feeding your stress, you're feeding your depression, the smoking. You're you're less likely to stop smoking because, well, what other pleasure do you have? Mm-hmm. Right, right. And uh, and like I was saying, you know, thinking of adult smokers today, it, it might almost miss the point. These were these were youth smokers, you know, of last generation. Right. I mean, so when we do nothing today, it, it, a lot of times they, they use the, the narrative of these are free-willed adults that are, you know, smoking and why should we yeah. tax them? But but in reality, we're, we're really letting our kids down by having the cheapest cigarettes in the country and having a, you know, commiserately high youth smoking rate. Well, and the fact that, um, you know, you anybody can walk down the street and smoke. So you're subjected, whether you are a smoker or not, you're subjected to other people's smoke. That's something that everywhere. Yeah, it still boggles me from time to time when you go when when I travel to different places, even even other countries, you have to go to a designated area to smoke. You know, they're like, kill yourself. Don't kill the rest of us. Yeah. You know, even in bars, different places, it's so, I mean, it'll be a place and they're like, oh, well, this is the smoking bar. This is where you want to go if you're going to smoke. You don't go to such and such, the, the everywhere else, because it's not allowed. It's totally a thing. You know what we yeah. need to make happen is for GRTC stops to be non-smoking, especially, you know, mm-hmm. the Pulse is all advertised as like a health line. Yeah. And half the times that I'm standing there and, I, and I'm, you know, in that case, I'm captive because I've got to wait at that bus stop. Yep. You know, it's not me choosing You're to be it. next to a smoker. I'm right. captive. I got to stay there and uh, I have to just inhale Endure the secondhand it. smoke while I'm there. And that would be a, re- a really nice start if Richmond wanted to start doing some anti-smoking space really, restriction. I, yeah, that I really just great. think they're just afraid because the studies are there. I mean, if you can get in trouble as a mom for smoking, you know, while you're pregnant, but I can sit here with my kid even in proximity to you and it's okay for you to smoke. It's the same same thing. You know, it's the same thing. So why? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with Altria and then passing out free cigarettes sometimes and all (laughs) kinds of nonsense. Well, my council person, Ellen Robertson, says that um, she would be willing to consider cigarette taxes if it was based on health reasons. So, hey, Richmond, let's get together and start a campaign, an anti-smoking campaign, right? Put big posters at your pulse stops. Mm -hmm. So last year when the smoking tax or cigarette tax came up, um, specifically and was specifically voted on Robertson at that time was saying basically you'd have my vote if the revenue was going towards smoking cessation right. efforts and it's like great, and that's my thing I want that. that's uh, my thing that's cool we want that that's wonderful we want, want part of it to they, go to schools and part of it to go to smoking but they cessation won't and, that, and that's my issue and I you know we've both uh, we all have different opinions I think when we were talking about the cigarette tax being a syntax you know and I was like one of the things that bothers me about it is that it will disproportionately affect black people in terms of their pocket and that's because they won't be given an alternative 
to stop smoking that's affordable. You know, so you're either going to continue to smoke and spend the money and skip a meal or skip something that's a necessity to have right. the cigarettes because it is a extremely uh, addictive addiction to have. Absolutely. Or, it's harder to quit than heroin. Exactly. And so and people don't understand that. And so if you're going to say, well, we're going to tax cigarettes, then, but also understand that the people, um, the poor smokers who are, will be most impacted by this tax, you also need to offer them something to help them with, you know, smoking sensation, cessation. And I just don't, that never is a part of the conversation. Uh, They're just like, just give me the money. We don't care about the people who can't stop smoking because they'll just drive to Chesterfield to buy cheaper cigarettes. And it's like, well, but they won't though. But they won't though. Because they can't, they don't have cars or they can't afford to do that. Or, you know, they won't always pick an alternative like uh, Black and Miles or cigar cigars or something else. But well, we do see that people reduce their cigarette consumption uh, when you do have the, the price increase. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people will smoke less. So hopefully, you know, by smoking less, by buying less cigarettes, that might level out the difference between, you know, paying the higher tax. That mm-hmm. That is something that is, is tough to cope with about the cigarette tax, but the mm-hmm. way that we've been doing it, not having one, having the, you know, among the cheapest cigarettes Doesn't help in the us. country, <laughs> Doesn't help. it's leading the kids to smoke. So yeah. we need to, you know, that's unfortunate for adult smokers right now. The cigarette tax to me is for the kids to avoid smoking, you mm-hmm. know, because they're the most price-driven consumers. If mm-hmm. you increase cigarette taxes, you know, taxes and, and it increases the cost of, you know, cigarette mm-hmm. packs, it really impacts, you know, children smoking. You know, Chicago six percent. They have the highest rate, and Richmond like that's 22%. astronomical. I don't even know how adults afford to smoke in Chicago. That's no, astronomical. No, it is. It is yeah. But you know, um, if our city government was not so beholden and afraid hmm. of Altria, we might actually have a big campaign to stop smoking. And here's how we, as a city, can help you. Um, we're so afraid yeah. to lose that Altria influence and money that we're... You know, that they're not our, going our anywhere. And, people and are suffering did. because of this fear. Well, the, Altria knows oh, they that know. cigarettes are declining... Yeah. A source of income. That's why they're trying to research and get their way into vaping. Diversifying into other vices. Exactly. So it's not like it's a surprise to anybody. You know, I just wish that addiction help was a part of the conversation. And that's absolutely what I want. You know, and it's it's a hard road, but you can you can quit smoking. You you need, you know, to have your health care provider on board and be nonjudgmental. For the people that don't have health care? It's going to take a few times to to try to quit. Absolutely. And even if you don't have health care, and Mm -hmm. and hopefully you're now included in the expansion of Medicaid and you can get, Mm -hmm. you know, to see a a primary care provider, you know, there are some prescriptions that can help you to to stop smoking Mm -hmm. and help reduce the urges. And and also just, you know, each time you try to quit, you learn something that the number one predictor of quitting for good is the number of attempts of quitting yeah mark twain used to say quitting smoking is the easiest thing to do i do it twice a week i mean because he would you know immediately start smoking again we understand that that's part of the journey but eventually each time you try you get a little bit better at it and you'll, you'll get it right smack dab in the middle of another riveting episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania, heard every Wednesday at 11 a.m. right here on WRIRLP, 97.3 FM, Richmond Independent Radio. Man, we are talking a lot about smoking, well, but it really is so, it's so it was integrated the, in everything honestly, here. Honestly, the smoking thing was the inspiration for, you know, for doing this whole report and, mm. and all the work that it took to 
you know, reorganize this data. I mean, it really was because yeah. I, I was that was the one key one I was looking to get to, and mm-hmm. then all well, of the other ones came along. So much yeah. of your health, yeah, so much. Being a medical student, when I've when I've gotten people to agree to an attempt to quit smoking, yeah, I mean, that's the most beautiful, rewarding thing that mm-hmm. I've ever had in my whole life. Really, I mean, I, I tell people that you quitting smoking that that is the the biggest gesture that I could ever do for you would be to, to get yeah, you to consider. Seriously, I mean, it's it catches up with everyone. It mm-hmm. has, you know, just such, such sobering consequences. We've got to do something as a city. We can't just ha- keep having the cheapest cigarettes around. Huh. Let's talk about this lack of sleep by district. Oh, yes. That actually is another thing that um, I was interested in. Absolutely. Because... For me, lack of sleep deals with stress and all the work that I've got going on. And, and the helicopters that are the, circling The police over helicopters here. that are always circling over neighborhood. <sighs> Tell us what you found about the lack of sleep. So, you know, so the lack of sleep is one of the, um, the CDC uh, kind of classified this group as health behaviors, which I think is a little bit of a misnomer here. Obviously, people aren't preferring to sleep, sleep less, less and, right, you know, right. and behaving in a way that makes them sleep less. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, your physical health can dramatically impact your sleep. So, right. you know, we see if you look right above that, there's the obesity map. Mm-hmm. Um, obesity can lead to things like obstructive sleep apnea. You mm-hmm. know, if you have that and it's not well controlled, you're not getting seven hours of sleep per night. No. Um, if you have diabetes and that's not well controlled, guess what? You're getting up multiple times a night to, you know, to pee and or eat. that's going to, or eat. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's going to also cause you to not sleep well. So physical health has a myriad of ways it mm-hmm. can affect your sleep, but also there's mental health measures that are also poor in the areas that are not sleeping well. And, uh, that, activity you know, that's and yeah, activity, activity and the, the concentration of people, you know, mm-hmm. lots of noise. Lots of things going and moving. Right. And even like physical inactivity, you know, that's not doing anything for your sleep. You know, right. getting, you know, getting out and being active during your day, you know, leads to that much poverty sleep. rate if you're working yeah. a full time and a part time job. I mean, look at that. I mean, that's the area that has the highest eviction rates. I mean, if you're worried about losing your place, you're not sleeping. No. Let's just clarify the areas of Richmond where people get less than seven hours of sleep yep. nightly. So we're looking at the highest for the least amount of sleep are going to be the highest, of course, is the 6th District again with uh, 46, 44.65%. Uh, the 8th District with 43.95%. The 9th District with 43.71%. And the 7th District with 428 one. And those are all your poorest districts. Mm-hmm. And, those and the, the highest concentration of poverty and um, eviction. Yeah. And those are the those are the percentage of people who are not getting yeah. seven hours of sleep. Some of those are that's, real, that, those real are close really, to half. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, really close to half. Almost half the people aren't getting seven hours of sleep. I mean, honestly, if you had like a Ten Commandments of Health, getting good sleep is, is a foundation. Really for high. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be one of those things. Getting seven hours of sleep just sets the stage for, for everything else, really. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would love to kind of to dive in to the other. Yeah, preventative. Go for sure. it. Well, the, and these these are the health behaviors still. Oh, so okay. Let's talk about those. I know about that those. We've, we've talked in depth about smoking, but just to be clear, that had the same, you know, geographical distribution. So mm-hmm. we're seeing a ton of smoking in the East End and in Southeast Richmond. Then next you have obesity and the obesity levels. Levels. It's it's essentially you know your uh, Western District, the first district, is basically has half the rate of obesity as the 
um, district eighth with district. the most, the eighth district. Mm-hmm. Because they have all the access to the health care and the nice walking and the parks and the grocery and stores. Grocery stores and fitness centers. Absolutely. Those things are accessible to them because they have more money. And you look at, uh, you look at like VCU has this awesome weight management program. Mm. And where the locations are right now are downtown at the ACC clinic. They have one at Stony Point and mm-hmm. then they have one in Short Pump. I would absolutely love to see the weight management clinic open up next where it's needed the most. So I was let's say, get yeah. that down to the 8th district. Let's open up one in the south side. The, the uh, market on 25th, you know, the one that's yep. about to open. Let's open one there. Uh, they have a tremendous amount of, of success, you know. They'll they'll have people that lose 100 pounds and get off of insulin and get off their high blood pressure medication. Stick them right in Southside Plaza. Exactly. Yeah, right? Seriously. Yeah. VCU already has an outpost in Southside Plaza. Boom. Uh, and let's 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 Sounds get like it in there and so, advertise the heck out of it so that people yes. know that they can go and that you know they know okay well maybe money is not an object here maybe I can actually see some benefit despite the fact that what's the I'm gonna put you I on the spot to see if you know do you know what the cost of that program is so I know that they do take patients that are on Medicaid I mean in mm-hmm. general in general VCU is it. I think just a, a fantastic organization I mean they do a tremendous amount of the it's called indigent care, but yes. care for people who, um, you know, aren't going to be able to pay for whatever reason. Right. Um, in the state, they do a big disproportionate amount of it. They're mm-hmm. awesome. They definitely, it's part of the mission. They, they run the VCC program that lets anybody in Central Virginia access any doctors in the VCU system. Mm-hmm. So they plug people in and they get them seen if they need it. And okay. absolutely, um, that wouldn't be a problem getting them into um you know, these uh, weight management. Different uh, projects. While we're talking about that, because this is an important subject to cover, how would someone who wants some type of care, whether it's preventative care or if it's actual, like, I need better assistance with my diabetes, you know, just saying, oh, VCU can do it. They don't know where to go to VCU or where to do. What process would they go by to get that type of assistance? Yeah, so... uh so even typing in VCU VCC program mm-hmm. VCC. Into, into Google would would get you connected with the with the right people. Okay. Um, and then there's a paperwork that you need to fill out and such in okay. order to um, come and demonstrate that you do live in Central Virginia. I mean there are there are groups that are still not covered even by the Medicaid expansion. Whether right. Whether that be because um, they're undocumented or whatnot. There's mm-hmm. still free clinics um, in Richmond. There's the crossover clinic on Coordin. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, going to one of the free clinics can get you access to a, a primary care doctor that mm-hmm. can see you. So there, there are, you know, there are good programs. There's like the Daily Planet as well, the Health Brigade over um, near VCU's campus. So okay. there, I think there, there are uh, you know a number of places that are just doing amazing work. Just got to get there. Want to yep. extend access to care as their mission. Yep, got to get right. the word out. It and... is tough to get the word out. It, yeah, it, yeah. We appreciate for that plug because that's yeah. that's something that people need to know. And um, VCU, I think, also offers a. a extended like insurance plan yeah that's the vcc yeah the vcc yep that's you know based on different things so i mean people if you need that or you know someone that needs it you know help them get connected that's important absolutely so we appreciate that plug core preventative services um yes for females in general okay i thought something was interesting when i was looking at your data that there's a lot of access in those western districts but they don't always take advantage of them yeah so this is Hmm. actually i'm glad that you noticed that and that you brought that point up um so when we do look at some of the use of preventative services so this is things like getting an annual doctor's visit 
going to the dentist once a year, getting, you know, like a colonoscopy um, once you're of the appropriate age, getting pap smears, mammograms, things like that. So some of the some of the maps kind of don't show the same distribution once we look at use of preventive services. I think there's a couple of reasons for that. I think that if you are, you know, healthy and young and perhaps a college student living in uh, Councilwoman Gray's, you know, second district, then mm-hmm. perhaps you don't go to the doctor in a given year. Um, right. And it makes it look like, you know, <clears throat> this group of people is using preventive you know, care less. And it could just be because they're, you know, healthy and maybe skewed younger and mm-hmm. don't need to use those uh, resources as often. Right. You know, w- w- the area where use of preventive services follows that kind of same uh, geographic distribution as life expectancy is with our seniors. So 65 years and older, mm-hmm. getting all of their core preventive services. So this is like getting a flu shot every year, getting mm-hmm. both of your pneumonia vaccinations, having up to date, you know, mammograms for females, uh, mm-hmm. colonoscopies, colonoscopies or, you know, colorectal yeah. cancer screenings for males and females. Um, so having all of that up to date, we definitely see the same pattern again, where people in the West End are able to keep all of that up to date. Yep. And we're not seeing we're not seeing the access or, or whatever is leading to uh, people in the East End and the South are not getting all of those up to date. And that once again, I mean, it, it's kind of an interesting thing to look at. I don't know exactly what's driving that, but but probably lack of, of easy access to, you know, to get to a primary care doctor and get access, those things done. And I bet you retirement rate has a lot to do with it, too. Oh, great point. If you yeah. can't afford to retire, yeah. then you're working still right. to be able to, you know, take care of yourself. You don't have time to take off from work to go to the doctor. Because when I say right. access, obviously it's 65 Medicare you know, mm-hmm. plugs in. So, yep. so certainly financially, everyone can get these these services. But yeah, we may I not know, we be, talked about maybe working though. Yeah, or you know, lack of transportation. So they got to take a bus, and it makes mm-hmm. it that much harder. Mm-hmm. And you know, the clinics are yeah, they're they're again, they're largely going to be concentrated north of the river again, towards the West End. It just makes mm-hmm. it all that much harder. Yeah, I was wondering too. In some of these districts with poor residents, are there because I'm unaware of specific women's clinics in some of these districts because a lot of women who have to work three jobs and take care of their kids or whatever they're not paying attention to you know their plumbing and the health that goes along with that because it is so different and also a lot of times symptoms don't present themselves until it's almost too late and so how do you get out there and educate these women in these districts um, and in these areas and how do how do you even get them the help that they need, the care that they need, if there's no specific place for that. And, you know, and I also wonder how many of them know that they need it right. um, and how many of them trust that they actually I was going to say, it. how about trusting, trusting that even they the, the information? Think about the, the patients that you had at the nursing home who, you know, mm-hmm. knew that they were going to die as they were being carted, carted off, off yeah. to go to a just a diabetes appointment. And they're like, if if I don't come back, baby, I know I, I you can have all my belongings in my room. That was my experience my uh, working at a nursing home. I had a lot of um, elderly black women act like they were they were never coming back every time they went to the doctor and the fear. People losing their legs, losing limbs for diabetes, for diabetes. because they don't trust the doctors. Uh, or coming up with uterine cancer. 
because they don't trust doctors, they don't have access um, to a trusted gynecologist. Because that's another thing. We have to entrust our bodies mm-hmm. to strangers yeah. to invade our areas, our most private areas. And if you don't have that in your community, yeah. well, what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to avoid it because it's going to take too long on the bus. It's going to take away from your job. It's going to take away from your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, or you just don't know or you don't trust it because right, you're we, used to body snatching. We need, I mean, and we, we need that trust. I mean, we, we need to be as, as providers, you know, non-judgmental mm-hmm. first and foremost, but also to, to have and to earn the trust of the people that we serve. And I think that that probably is going to involve having conversations with the community, going out and trying to understand, you know, where the lack of trust is stemming from and, and seeing what, what we can do going forward to mm-hmm. regain that trust because without a doubt, you know, VCU's past has some things in it that engender that kind of lack of trust. And that is yes. very, very real. And we need to we need to talk to people and um, and, and regain their trust. I think VCU is, is worthy of people's trust now. We need to we need to go out and, and uh, make sure that the community understands that. VCU is a is definitely an asset to our community in terms of, of the health offerings and the expertise that we have here in Richmond. The problem is VCU has so for so long avoided these tough conversations about tearing down black neighborhoods and paving over, you know, and stealing black bodies and, and stealing black people and using our historical black churches as office buildings yeah, <laughs> instead it's... of preserving the history. And so for a lot of people in the community, especially black people, you are taught not to trust a VCU because you know, for all of these reasons. And so I think because of the way that VCU has handled many of these issues time and time again, uh, for whatever reason, have, you know, bred that distrust. And it's a shame, really, because you've got someone, you know, you've got, it's not all of, just like anything, it's not all the apples are bad. There's a couple in there that, you know, have made bad decisions and have, um, you know, led the institution, you know, to do things that weren't fair. But you've also got you know, a wide variety of people and departments that are working towards public health and trying to help people do what's better. And it, ooh, it's an uphill battle. I feel it's kind of bad. It is. Because we need it. That, yeah. Well, it's something that we obviously need to uh, to approach, especially if it's leading to some of these um, health outcome disparities. Mm-hmm. So we have roughly five minutes. And in that five minutes, go to town. Like, what is it that you about your work that you really want people to know right now? What, what haven't we covered? Because, I mean, we could talk about this for hours. Sure, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Bottom line, what is it that you want people to know? So I would like to, again, kind of touch on the fact that, that we also see, um, you know, subjective measures of mental health also, you know, being very poor in those same districts. So, you know, that that is another thing that, you know, we need to reconcile with and understand I feel like the the biggest thing from this project that I that I hope will come from it is that we start to have conversations about this. So when I was at the city council meeting last Monday for the budget, mm-hmm. there were like hundreds of people there, and they were there for their you know for their own uh, yeah. reasons and and fighting for you know mm-hmm. their little piece of the budget or to um, you know just just offer their opinion mm-hmm. um, about things at the city level. Those people would have something to say about 
these maps, these health yes. outcomes, these health disparities, I think that people will be very loud about why is my district, you know, why does it have twice the rate of obesity and twice the rate of smoking as the others? Mm-hmm. And how come, you know, how come when we look at the things like the walk score and the bike score for pedestrian infrastructure that my district is totally left behind? And there are clearly other ones that, that do have bike lanes and sidewalks and mm-hmm. and those, you know, people are experiencing better, you know, health, health outcomes yeah. and life yep. expectancy. And, yep. and how, why have, you know, why have we've been forgotten about? You know, I would love so much for the, you know, city council representatives to talk to their constituents about this, have conversations, because mm-hmm. I don't know the answers, but the people from the communities do. They understand why, they, you know, why they're not getting seven hours of sleep at night, yep. why they don't get the same level of physical activity outside as some of the other districts. They understand it. They live it. They know. Yeah. We need to have collaborative efforts to figure out some of these health disparities. I think that there are some, you know, really compelling uh things within the data. I think we need to get the cigarette tax passed. I know that it's kind of lingering in the mm-hmm. in the budget and I'm hoping that Wednesday it just gets signed in. It would yeah. be a 50 cent cigarette tax. You know, I, I'd like it to be higher. I'd like it to be at least a dollar, but it's 50 cents more than Altria wants it to be. So, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's something. Yeah. And, um, you know, we need to do better by our children in that regard because they have risk factors for picking up smoking and mm-hmm. we're not helping by having the cheapest cigarettes in the country. And mm-hmm. it's definitely not kids who are going to drive to Chesterfield to go get cigarettes no. underage. So, you know, I also feel like, you know, fighting to have more, you know, collaborative efforts to get grocery stores to come to the south, to come to the east end. You know, yeah. if we made, you know, a collaborative effort work you know, on that market at 25th Street, that's one of the most unlikely places that would have ever gotten a grocery store. I'm yep. sure that we can do it. Um, Somewhere if we, else. If we, yeah. you know, replicate those efforts, we can do it in the South Side. That's just, we desperately need that. We need access to, you know, the healthy food. And we need to do a better job. And whether that's VCU or just, you know, all the, the healthcare providers in Richmond, getting, uh, people better educated about about nutrition better educated about weight loss you know strategies Mm -hmm. because it can be done and like i talked about when you look at the health measures like diabetes and high blood pressure and cholesterol levels being elevated and such you know we can reverse those things you know i know a lot of times people feel like hey insulin i'm going to be on it the rest of my life you know if if you're if you're overweight and you have diabetes and you're on insulin and and, it can know, change. If you lose the weight, you know, it can change and you mm-hmm. can lose the weight. And having a, you know, a good primary care doctor that can help you along the way and, you know, that's connecting you with the good information, also, you know, helping you with the accountability and the support mm-hmm. and the non-judgmental. Yeah. You know. And the more educated your community is around you, the better your support system is. The more educated yes, absolutely. Our, our children are mm-hmm. in these health outcomes um, in their daily lives at school, even looking at these for sending these maps around to our our students mm-hmm. would would change things even the slightest bit the more educated you are about um, things like this the less likely you are to pick up that cigarette the more likely you are to pick up an apple or walk right. somewhere if you have I mean, these things true. available to you and the support system I mean look I'm thinking about my mom as I'm as I'm you know we're digesting this my mom's home ec teacher Mm-hmm. And she's basically out of work. You know, she's had to change what her class, what her coursework was to personal finance and something else. Because, of course, money is more important than eating healthy. And then knowing how to take care of yourself. Yeah, they've taken that that out of uh, most public schools now. They've taken home economics out. They're, you're not teach, they're not teaching the kids how to cook. You know, our city council can weave 
this information into policy. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that was that was kind of the key is that census tracts don't have political representation, but people who are going to look at these maps and, yes. and be upset about that, they have it. They have it. You yep. know, go to your city council rep and talk to them about it. And now you got the data to back you up. Yep. Um, yes. And honestly, this was all about just empowering people. Mm-hmm. I think I took something that most people look at and they would just glaze over because it would be so boring. So much, and, yeah. And it's now something that's relatable. And mm-hmm. trust me, it's actionable. Let's go do something about this. Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, we're going to post this. We're going to put this in PDF so that uh, people can see it, interact with it, look at it. And there um, are so many smarter people than me that are going <laughs> to add the next layers onto this because yeah. there's a lot more to tell because, you know, yeah. I, I don't get into things like – you know, the socioeconomic status, yeah. you know, uh, racial disparities yeah, and other yeah. things that clearly, you know, mm-hmm. if we like overlap some we, of those we things, knew, we yeah. knew, you know, we knew how this map would look. We just never actually saw it. Right. And I think we knew we know how some other things would look as well. We just haven't mm-hmm. seen it. So mm-hmm. mapping on top of these maps. I mean, yep. just overlapping using those them are going to blow yeah. our mind. I, I hope that, that whoever's listening that can do that starts doing that. Seriously. Immediately. Yes. Yep. It'll be... You'll be a hero. Yeah, <laughs> Y'all certainly it. have my permission to use these for whatever you want. <laughs> thank you. And Engage with them, please. Yes. Thank you for this work. Um, thank you for sharing it with us it. and our listeners. It has been, wow, yes. um, an eye-opening educational experience. And I hope that every one of our listeners goes out and shares it. Mm-hmm. with their neighbors and their families and their friends and their kids' Hence, teachers and their council and person. Their council person. <laughs> Absolutely. That is of highest priority. Go talk to your council person. Hold your map up in front of them and say, why are we so fat? Yeah. <laughs> How come in the 6th District yeah. we can expect to live 13 years less, less than, than, the than everyone else? Ellen, why? Yeah, we need to and fix it's that. Not, and it's not, it's not Ellen's fault. I no, it's not. Council person, no. But she needs to you know, collaborate with, with her constituents and figure it out. Figure some things out because, uh, you know, the people in the 6th District, they live it. You know, they, they know the reasons. Yep. They can help, definitely. Yep. So I'm telling you, this was some, some data that we need. But as always, Flint still has dirty water. RPS is still not fully funded. And Richmond is most certainly still racist, but we're working on it. We'll talk to you guys next week. Take this data and do something with it. Thanks again for listening to RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania, heard every Wednesday at 11 a.m. on WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. If you'd like to continue this conversation or start a new one with us, hit us up across all social media at RVA Dirt. Dr. Octagon, paramedic fetus of the East with priests and from the church of the operating room with the strikes of force, scalpel since the Holocaust. I do indeed in greed explore, meet the patients, back the rooms with the nurse with the voodoo curse. Holding up office lights, standing at huge heights, back and forth, left wing, swing to north, east and south with blood pouring down your mouth. I can prepare with the white suit and stethoscope, listen to your heartbeat, delete, beep, beep, beep. Your insurance is high, but my price is cheap. 